0: No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Excited to welcome on our next guest. You guys know him, Leaf Tuline, uh, producer here at ESPN 700, also college basketball expert, draft expert, um, part of the Locked On Sports Network. Leaf, you just had an anniversary with Locked On. Uh,
1: I didn't even know it, but apparently so.
0: Yeah, I saw. I saw. I saw Lock. The, uh, the godfather of <laughs> locked-on sports himself, uh, shouting you out yesterday on Twitter. Congrats on that.
1: Thank you. Yeah, it's been, a, it's been fun to talk about the draft and occasionally hop on and talk college hoops. So I'm always excited to do that with, with them or with you or whoever.
0: Yeah, and, and honestly, I, I've said it before. You you watch more college basketball and, and pay a little closer attention to the draft than probably anyone that I know in this market um I, I know Ken Kenpond's out there but I don't know Ken pom <laughs> I know you so anyway uh so you're you're always a great guest for that kind of stuff what do you think of uh the wild game did you did you catch the UVusu game last night
1: I saw bits and pieces of it and unfortunately I didn't see the ending live but I've, I've definitely watched the ending uh on highlights and, and yeah. kind of went through the last couple minutes of the game and Geez, you can't write a better script for March. Uh, you got to feel heart-wrenched for uh, UVU, but you can't be mad at that type of effort from either side. And a state of Utah team from the WAC has a chance to make the final. However, they've kind of cannibalized themselves as Southern Utah, uh, Utah Tech, and UVU are all on the same side of the bracket. So it's yeah. the last one standing, and what a play. And that's, the question is now, do you do you uh, foul up three? And then I think a lot of people are going to be – Re- revisiting that I'm trying
0: to thought yeah and i mean and they technically did foul up 3 they just <laughs> they just did it at the absolute wrong time um, and also not sure he not sure they fouled leaf uh, looking at that and then maybe I, I may not have looked at it as as many times as you did as you have and and to be honest i said earlier i don't have espn plus so i was listening to the 960 call following along with the score on my phone while i was watching the utah state game on, on TV but then I, I I have seen the the replays of that the clips of that on Twitter uh, a number of times and I, I every time I watch it I'm like that looks like a phantom foul to me yeah
1: I mean it, it was a uh, the intent to foul though is, yeah uh, I think the, the ref may have in, um, anticipated the pl- uh, the foul more so than it actually transpired but it was executed poorly in that sense because it's smart to foul. But you can't do it when they have a chance to shoot, or else it's a three point shooting foul. Right. And then of course, he made the shot. And so the, I, I still think that's the smarter play. Analytics would bear that out that if you foul up three and they shoot two free throws or a one and one, you likely win more more frequently than if they give up a three point shot. But that's the worst possible outcome. And it's gut wrenching that it was for UBU, a team that was 15 and three in the whack and had a 23 point lead over. Uh, over the team that came back, and Tavion Jones had a big shot. And I've seen a lot of people say he's the best player in the state of Utah collegiately, and that that's a big time player making a big time shot.
0: Absolutely, um, what a wild game! Um, simultaneously, like you say, just just feel so bad for UVU that that's the way their season ends, and that they they. Played really played as poorly as they did to give up that lead. I mean, credit to SUU for for taking it away from them, but it came with some poor play from UVU as well. Um, but also, I, I feel that way, and at the same time, I feel I'm thrilled for SUU. This will be this would be their I don't know maybe you know this maybe you don't. This would be their first the, their second March Madness appearance ever in program history if they if they win today and. The, uh, just the first one since one
1: Yeah, I didn't know that for, for a certain, but I knew it was a fairly novel occurrence for them. And it, they, They've been an intriguing story all year long. They're not exactly easy to watch uh, Often on ESPN+. Plus and, and I have it, but typically when they play, there's bigger games that I'm watching for the draft. Some, I have some, some late sometimes.
0: tips and stuff, too, and things like that make it harder yeah, to. Yeah, they've
1: always struck me as being very well coached, and so I'm happy for them.
0: Absolutely, Todd Simon, one of the best coaches in the state. I am a little surprised that he is not. They haven't broken through in the Big Sky and now in the WAC in his tenure yet, but they got a chance to do it now. And the, we won't, won't talk too much about this because I want to want to get to other things. But the women, the SUU women, are also in the WAC tournament championship game, and this would be their first ever. Uh, big dance if they if they can beat Stephen f austin who's the number one seed on the women's side so the first time ever that we we could have the men's and women's thunderbirds in the big dance and and possibly multiple teams on the men's and women's side in in march madness so awesome could be an awesome day for uh for the state of utah and college hoops but leaf wanted to get your thoughts on uh some of the nba draft prospects as well that will that are playing now in conference tournaments of course, you got the Thompson twins and not playing college basketball, but they're also top of mind as far as that goes. You've you, we we've talked with you on uh, on the Bill Riley show this week a few times about uh, some of these prospects to watch that are they're playing college basketball. Um, Tony Jones has written about it. Andy Larson has written about him as well. Oh, did we lose Leaf? <laughs> okay, we'll get Leaf back. Uh, he, he got tired of me. Framing the question, he just wanted the question. I'm sure <laughs> we'll get Leaf back here, get to get his thoughts on some college basketball prospects. Uh, some of the guys I've got, I've got the, I've got a good list pulled up here from via Tony Jones from the Athletic and Andy Larson in the Tribune. They wrote about a lot of the same players. Tony, it's interesting. Tony was a little more optimistic, had more optimism about their NBA prospects. Andy was a little more skewing negative on it um, and, and they're both fair it, for for good reason um, Andy's talking with with NBA Scouts and front offices about what they think based on what they put on tape in college and that has a lot has left a lot more to be desired compared to their preseason expectations and, and Tony's just kind of looking at he, he's talking with those guys as well but he's also looking with his own eyes and saying these guys are still got a chance to be really good. Um, and and we may not we may not be able to get leaf back um unfortunately it must have must have hit a bad spot here maybe maybe try again in a minute or so of ya. and then if it doesn't go through we, we'll just move on. but uh um just some of the guys that Tony Jones says uh, should probably be available for the jazz if they get into the top 10 if they if they fall out of the play. And and get into the top ten. Anthony Black from Arkansas. His teammate Nick Smith at Arkansas. Arkansas has been, been fun to watch from, from that lens as guys that might be future jazz players. And um let's see. We have the you have the Thompson twins that I that I referenced to I referenced with Leaf before he dropped off there. Uh Amen and, and Osar Thompson, who are overtime elite guys. We won't see them in the NCAA tournament, but they're but they're doing some great things in the overtime elite. Um Alman will probably be Amen will probably be too high for the Jazz to pick them. He he'll be a top five pick, if not a top four pick in the draft. But Osar literally twins, right? They're literally Literally the same body, um, and and similar skill. Amon seems to have better upside as a point guard, but Leaf has said has told me that Osar. I mean, he thinks guys are overlooking Osar's point guard skills, um, making the mistake of doing that. Draft experts and things. Um, he sees him as a guy who, out of necessity, has played another position, played the wing because his brother is the point guard um, but in the league he could be a, a really good point guard so he sees that as a as a uh, he sees him as a really good pick a lot better uh, he sees him as a lot better NBA prospect than other guys do because simply he's evaluating him as a point guard potential point guard while others are evaluating him as a wing who needs a lot of work on his shot and as a point guard you can get away with with not having the greatest outside shot. Uh, some other guys here, I mentioned Nick Smith Jr., Grady Dick from Kansas. Uh, he has the look of the guy that the Jazz just like to draft. <laughs> you know, tall, lanky, white guy who can shoot. But he's also, he that also comes with limited upside, in my opinion. Not just because he's a, he's a lanky white dude. He just that's his game. He has limited upside compared to some of these other guys. I would I would be disappointed if they pick him in the top 10. I'd be fine if they do it if if their pick falls in in the mid to late teens. You know, if they make the playoffs after making the play-in. Um but yeah, he he's out there too and he seems to be a guy that Jazz the jazz uh like pretty well it looks like we got we might have been able to connect with leaf all right leaf we got you back
1: yeah i'm not sure what happened i, yeah. I my phone had some crazy issue uh, i went from five bars to zero.
0: Oh, my gosh this uh, the, the I Bermuda back. triangle I was to you
1: on the radio when i was gone though
0: okay okay so yeah i've just been going through some of these players that uh, that that Tony Jones, in particular, and Andy Larson have written about that might be available in the top ten if the Jazz's pick go in there. We we've had con- I've had these conversations with you already. You've said this week that if that with that first pick, if the Jazz miss the play-in or miss the playoffs and it falls in the top ten, you you think they should swing for the fences. What would that What would that mean, swinging for the fences? Who are some guys that you would like to see them go after if they do get that top ten pick?
1: The most feasible one that I I think would be a swing for the fences play. Uh, He's a super athletic wing who struggles to shoot the ball, and and I heard you allude to this, but but I think he can play the point guard, and that's why evaluations on him vary from people having him at four or five to all the way down at fourteen. And, and I think it's because people that evaluate him as a point guard uh, see him as a very very high ceiling player. People that evaluate him as a shooting guard see a glaring flaw. And so that would be the biggest swing for the fences, in my opinion. And then another one would be Villanova's Cam Whitmore. Uh, their season is over. They, I guess they could take an NIT uh, invitation, which is very weird for Villanova to do. Oh yeah, that, he's that is. A, he's, a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a he's a six seven. 6'7 wing who's built like a freight train, has unbelievable athleticism, lapses teammates in practice on up and back. He's that explosive. And I think his shot is good. He just takes a couple difficult shots. And I think in an NBA spacing system, he'll have more space to work. And I think that'll behoove his game.
0: Yeah, and we've talked about before, a lot of guys, uh, one of the knocks on Brandon Miller is, he, is you've, you've told me that other, and I've heard other draft analysts say, is that he he makes difficult shots. He and he takes difficult shots, but is that necessarily a bad thing if he's making them at the college level? That means that he's going to be able to make he he's likely going to make even more difficult shots at the pro level, right? Yeah, I think there's
1: a couple ways to evaluate it. Some of it's the the context. For for Miller and and like Paolo Bancaro, that was his biggest knock. He's like, "Oh, he's shooting bad shots." But it was like, if he can make them, you don't hate it, it but you still kind of want to coach him to take better ones just so you get the best shot possible. As for Brandon Miller and Cam Whitmore, I, I think for them it's it's a confidence thing, and I like that. If if I'm drafting in the top ten, I want to be drafting my number one player. So the fact that they have that uh, confidence to, to say, I can make this shot is, is an important thing to me. However, I think NBA spacing allows for those type of shots to be less congested in the lane. So most of those shots are tough following mid-range jump shots. And those happen in the playoffs, but there's plenty of NBA games where a star player doesn't even shoot a mid-range jumper. So I think, I think the fact that they can make them and are confident enough to take them is, is a better thing than the fact that they take a few difficult ones, which, which I believe can be coached out.
0: Yeah, I mean, we remember here in this market, we remember Donovan Mitchell, the stories of, of the veteran players like Joe Ingles having to tell him, keep shooting, stop passing the ball, because maybe he didn't have the that kind of confidence coming in. Now, he, he, he grew in that he developed that confidence uh, pretty quickly to the point where he was maybe taking maybe a little too many questionable shots down the stretch in games, but... It, I, I'm with you I feel like it's better to not have to tell someone that they have the green light than to try to take the time to encourage them that hey you need to shoot more yeah I, I think
1: there are some players that are kind of have this like team oriented philosophy and and they come which is from a good thing. Told, hey we got veteran players yeah and, and it is a good thing um, but they come with playing with veteran players and they're not an alpha dog, and it takes a while. And and like Donovan Mitchell developed it quickly, like you said. But I think in the case of, for instance, Brandon Miller, is, I think he's the best scorer in college basketball regardless of age, and he knows it. And I, I really like that about the guy that I want to be my franchise altering talent. This isn't a guy that I want to coalesce and, and fit in with, with uh, my already established talent. I do want them to fit in, but I want them to be the guy that transcends my franchise if I'm drafting in the top ten. Does it always happen? Absolutely not. But is that the hope? Yeah. So I'd rather yeah. draft for best player available and upside as opposed to potential and and you see, fit, I
0: mean, and you and obviously Brandon Miller's ahead of uh, Cam Whitmore, but you see Cam Whitmore as a similar type of player, a, a guy with that kind of upside. Yeah, I think Cam
1: Whitmore is a little bit lower because he's not as refined; he's more raw. But I think his upside is certainly in the same territory as what Brandon Millers can be.
0: Awesome stuff. Well, uh. Run out of time here, but I just wanted to get a, a general thought from you. And you touched on this a little bit earlier this week too. But I found it interesting reading both Tony Jones's article on this, on some of these prospects to watch, and Andy Larson's article. Tony Jones in Athletic, Andy Larson's in the Tribune, and they seem to have different tones. And uh, Tony's was a lot more optimistic. It seemed like he still felt like this is a very good deep draft with lots of potential franchise cornerstone talent throughout the first round and in and reading andy's it was more of a it, and his was his was more talking with scouts and, than and tony's was and so he was kind of reporting what he was hearing but it sounds like a lot of front offices and scouts are, are a little a lot more down on the fir- the first round talent in this draft outside of the the very top because of uh what they what they've seen on tape this year that's that hasn't been quite as good as they thought it would be in preseason. Do you agree with that? Do you see uh, – where are you with this? Do you still see it as, as you're pretty optimistic about these guys' NBA talent or do you agree more with, man, they just have disappointed a lot more than I thought they would be than – than I thought they would?
1: I lean a slight bit more toward Andy in this because I think the way the draft was billed preseason was like this is a a franchise-altering draft all the way up to pick 15. And I don't think that's realistic regardless of the talent pool. It's just just so hard to have that many good players. Um, So I do think it's a little lacking in all pro type of players. I think there's guys that if they find the right situation, they could be all-stars, but not perennial all-stars. And so I think this draft is deeper rather than star laden other than the very top. And so even a guy like Brandon Miller, uh, I think one of his better comps would be like Paul George is the the splashy one, but I I see like a bit of Danny Granger or uh, Chris Middleton who are great players, but are they franchise altering in their own regard? No, Uh, they, they play second fiddle to better players. And, um, and so he, and he's widely regarded as number three or four. Could, it, could they be better than that? Absolutely. Is a, is a guy like Nick Smith or Derek Whitehead or Derek Lively, guys that got injured early in the year, kind of marred this draft as well because those were some of the top prospects entering the year, and so it's hard to evaluate them fairly with them not playing the enti- entire season, and that contributed largely to the hype train. So I'd lean a little toward Andy based off the tape that I've seen, but I, I think there is context that can explain it.
0: Yeah, and to be fair, Tony's probably not necessarily saying that 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 there's as many all NBA guys uh, as we thought there might be in preseason. He he's probably there's a chance he's probably more with, uh agrees with you with more with you and Andy on this, but I it just had a little bit more optimistic tone to the article than Andy's did, so I found that interesting. Uh, an interesting take on that from you as well uh leaf thank you so much for uh hopping on go back and I, i'm assuming you guys you're still hooping with the uh with the old twitter group G- get back out there. no i, I left I, I left i left
1: that just for the call and i'm oh. gonna go to the jazz game and produce it. so I'm, okay uh,
0: I'm, i got home
1: now i'm going to the jazz game okay well that's good sorry the arena
0: sorry to take you away from that have a good <laughs> have a good time working no. the jazz game
1: no, absolutely. I appreciate the invite, and I apologize for my, my phone issues, which I'm very perplexed by. <laughs>
0: no, no problem, man. Have a good weekend.
1: Thank you. You as well.
0: All right, that's Leaf Tuline, college basketball analyst, producer here on and, – and draft analyst uh, here on ESPN 700 and part of the uh, Lockdown uh, Podcast Network as well, uh, Lockdown NBA Draft. been doing that for quite a few years now.